0: Welcome to The Leftovers, brought to you by the Underdog Sports Network, with Josh Dunn, Anshu Khanna, and Dan Bauer. Hello and welcome to The Leftovers. It is Wednesday, September 12th. I'm Josh Dunn. I am joined this evening by the one and only Anshu Khanna. A resident Packers fan, are you still reeling from the Aaron Rodgers heroics of Sunday night?
1: Oh yeah, I'm still on cloud nine, uh, slightly less intoxicated than I was while we were doing that show, but it was uh, it was a good day and uh, fun week one for both of us, I would say.
0: Yeah, I think uh, your first NFL Sunday of the season, official NFL Sunday anyway, calls for a few adult beverages, which luckily most of the folks in our fantasy football league were able to enjoy together, which is always fun. So a couple awesome. of our teams saw wins. Dan's team saw a tie, which you guys heard us drunkenly talk about on Monday's show. Uh, but we're back in sober here for this Wednesday hump day episode and we're going to get to the Monday night games to start things off. So there were two Monday night games as has become tradition in week one in the NFL season. And that first Monday night game, first of all, was very surprising. But second of all, was one of the absolute most terrible performances I've seen from a quarterback in a long time. And that is Matthew Stafford, who actually gets hurt, comes back into the game and continues throwing interceptions. What do you make of Detroit in this game? I I know we kind of expected their offense to play better, but their defense, I, I don't know if anybody expected them to be this bad, especially after they pick off uh the first play of the game and take it back for six.
1: Yeah, they looked that really looked good for them after Darnold's first pass goes for a pick six. Uh you know, from there on it was all downhill. I mean, they actually tie the game, I think, at seventeen there early in the second half, and then the Jets just ran away with it. I mean, by the within that third quarter, by the end of the third and the beginning of the fourth, it just felt like The Lions should just wave the white flag, honestly. Like, Stafford was still in there. I don't know why he was. I don't know why Tate and Marvin Jones were in there because, you know, it was over. And the Jets looked like the far superior team, which blows my mind because I I really think highly of Matt Stafford. I think that the, the Lions are kind of flying under the radar a little bit. A lot of continuity from last season, the last few seasons, with Jim Bob Cooter's offense and a lot of the same personnel. Um, you know, I I expected him to take a step forward with, you know, Legarrett Blunt and uh and Carrion Johnson in the backfield and then adding Kenny Galladay or you know, having him be in his second year. Uh and it was the opposite, to your point. Matt Stafford, twenty seven of forty six, two hundred and eighty six yards on four of those forty six passes. That's so bad, four picks a touchdown, did take that shot to the midsection that you talked about where he, I think he just lost his wind. But in any case, just a disaster. And Sam Darnold looked like the veteran to me, honestly, between the two of them.
0: Yeah, after that first play, Darnold throws a pick that gets returned for six. Um, he ends up finishing the game 16-21. to 21. For 198 yards, two touchdowns in that one interception, but you've got to be impressed. I mean, he's the first rookie that was named the day one starter. As you is it look mm-hmm. into week one, it looks like Josh Allen's probably going to get a start here in week two. But you know, Darnold, I, I for one, I didn't think that uh, the Jets would really do much in this game. I thought Detroit would would easily uh, take the win here, and, and really they they just looked terrible from the gun. Uh, they couldn't run the ball. You mentioned on Johnson was was is the guy that a lot of people are talking about. He has ends up finishing 5-for-17 uh, on the ground, and the Lions as a team, only 15 carries for 39 yards. Obviously, they're playing from behind for a lot of this game, um, especially in that third quarter. But yeah, it just, just an embarrassing performance from Detroit. They did lose their defensive coordinator, who's now uh, my Bengals defensive coordinator this year. Um, But, yeah, just, just a, an embarrassing performance uh, for the Lions, and they really need a bounce-back game because I, I don't know that anybody expected the Jets to come out and win a 48-17 to 17 massacre on the road to start the season with the rookie quarterback. Just, just impressive yeah. on their part.
1: For sure, and, I mean, I don't know if you were, picked this, but a lot of survivor pools go down in flames with the Lions.
0: I know our buddy Mern did.
1: Mern did, yeah. I that's picked your was. pack. Okay. Yeah, there you go. Wow. (laughs) Narrow escape there. Yeah,
0: just (laughs) Um, never a doubt.
1: Yeah, no doubt. Um, But yeah, no, there were, I think of the top four consensus survivor teams, if you look at New Orleans, Detroit, Green Bay and Baltimore, two of them already gone. You know, the Packers very nearly were gone as well. So if you guys out there are still in your survivor pools, more power to you because half of your buddies are out probably. So this is a su- surprising when the Lions, we know the statistics on teams that start out 0-2. It's something like 90% of teams that start out 0-2 do not make the playoffs. The Lions face, I believe, the Niners next week in what shapes up to be like a you know loser leaves town type of matchup. So um, must win game going out to the coast to play Jimmy G in that team.
0: Yeah, I know we'll have at least one friend with a close eye on that one. Um, yeah, yeah, there was another Monday night game out on the West Coast. You mentioned uh, California team. The other two played uh, here on Monday night. So you got the Rams over the Raiders 33 to 13. This one was a lot closer for most of this game. But as the fourth quarter wore on, uh, the Rams kind of went to Todd Gurley and he. He kind of sealed the victory. They end up winning it by a larger margin than it really looked like for most of the game. But what do you make of this? I, I expected the Rams to win this one, but I, I thought Oakland looked good at, at first, and then their defense just kind of couldn't hold it together.
1: Yeah, and I, I think that's going to be a theme. I mean, I thought, honestly, the beginning of the game, the Raiders, it was electric. That atmosphere was nuts. That touchdown by Marshawn Lynch at the beginning of the game was just awesome. Carrying the they, defenders. Yeah, it was such a vintage lynch moment and also just one of those things where usually you have to have, you know, all 11 guys really united to get that play done and I just I felt like things were really they you know, I thought maybe we'd see two huge upsets here right off the bat and um obviously not the case like you said the Raiders defense is just a disaster. This Rams team is really really talented. Like they're going to win a lot of battles of attrition this year if it comes down to it. Um, they do a good job of spreading the ball around offensively. You brought up Gurley, twenty carries, 108 yards, adds another three for 39 and a touchdown through the air. And you know this guy is obviously immensely talented. And Goff is a really good kind of you know figurehead for the Sean McVay offense. And uh, we saw that not his best game, but still pretty solid. I think you're you're looking at two teams on very opposite ends of the spectrum as far as you know the NFL's you know class goes.
0: Yeah, I mean, for the Rams, this is definitely not the best you're going to see out of them. They were actually my NFC Super Bowl pick this year. And I, I really I like think it. I really think the Rams have an opportunity to do something special here. They bring in a lot of big names on the defensive side of the ball. They sign Aaron Donald to the huge extension. Uh, they've got Brandon Cooks added to an already stout receiving core. Robert Woods had a couple... Big opportunities in this game. A couple deep balls that were just out of his reach. I mean, he he could have easily finished this game with over 100 yards with a couple of those. Uh, and golf golf just looked slightly off on the deep ball, but I think he'll get it together. I think he has the potential to be, uh, you know, a Pro Bowl caliber quarterback this year. But the Raiders are what I really want to talk about here because I'm surprised that first of all they started the game as well as they did, and then second of all they couldn't really find their offensive identity. Carr ends up finishing with over 300 yards, but he has three interceptions on the night, uh, and his Number one target throughout this game was Jared Cook, who has been an inconsistent but reliable weapon, but really they're they're two big weapons. Jordy Nelson, who they bring in the offseason, who I know is near and dear to your heart, and then Amari Cooper, both finished with very, very poor performances. Nelson 3 for 23, and Amari Cooper only has one catch for nine yards in this game. Obviously, the defense struggled, and you know the big news was Khalil Mack going to the Bears, who he had a lot of success in Week One. But so we maybe expected the defense to struggle. But how does Derek Carr not get the ball into the hands of his playmakers in this contest?
1: Yeah, I mean it's a great question. I think part of it is you got to think about it like, all right, look at the two guys outside now for the Rams defensively. You got to keep Talib and Marcus Peters. I mean, we remember how hard it was to throw on those Broncos teams when they had to leave in Chris Harris. I mean, you have to assume that this is almost as good. And then you have Donald and Sue up the middle. And, you know, they have they just have so much talent up, up the middle and on the outside that it's going to be really tough for anyone to get it going. But, you're, I mean, you're right. Look, this is a team with John Gruden. John Gruden talked about uh, Amari Cooper as being like, you know, his new Sterling Sharp is what he com- compared him to. He said the offense runs through Amari Cooper. Well, if the offense runs through a guy that had one carry and one catch in a game, uh, it's going to be a really rough season. So, yeah, I mean, like, it, it's got to be better than that. Cook and Richard account for 18 of Derek Carr's 29 completions. That means 11 went to actual receivers, or actually just nine because Carrier's a tight end, too. Lynch is a cheese. It was less than, it was like six completions to receivers. That's insanely low. Um, you know, I just expect better. I think a lot of this is the Rams defense. I think the Rams defense might be really, really good.
0: Yeah, it, it, I think they will be, and I I think it's going to be tough for any team in that division. With the Seahawks looking a little bit down, obviously Oof. San Francisco loses a tough one, but I don't think they're quite there yet. A lot of people are calling them a dark horse this year. I don't quite see it. I, I, don't, I don't believe in it. I don't believe in Garoppolo yet. Uh, I just think that uh, this division is the Rams, and and they, they sh- it shows in week one, and a lot can change from week to week in the NFL. But I think this team has uh, at least is built uh, to to go on a long run this year. Um, I agree. So we, we had a lot of injuries in week one. Uh, there were some big ones, a couple of them that ends up being you know season ending injuries. Delaney Walker, you know, the perennial playmaking tight end for the Tennessee Titans is out for the year. Uh, Deion Jones, the Pro Bowl linebacker for the Atlanta Falcons out for the year after their tough loss on Thursday night. Uh, there's a few others. Jeremy Hill uh, goes down. he's done for the year for the Patriots who have you know that running back committee over there but that's a tough loss because he was going to be their short yardage back and then some other injuries Greg Olson looks like he'll be out a few weeks obviously uh, you know there's some news out there that he potentially could need some surgery but he's probably going to wait till after the season to do it and you and I were speculating that maybe retirement's the move for him Uh, Leonard Fournette could miss some time but uh, he's still questionable to potentially play this weekend and then Doug Baldwin who could miss two to four weeks with an MCL sprain. I know I just ran through a lot there on you, but which one of these injuries do you see as the most significant to their team going forward here?
1: Uh, honestly, I think Doug Baldwin is uh, like, t- like the, this is a team you just mentioned about with the, with the Seahawks who is already looking rough. They take a tough loss in Denver right away. Um, you know, when they go home, they're they're generally going to be tough to play, but look there, we just talked about the Owen two thing. They have to go to Chicago this week. Not an easy game by any means and you know they have to win without their number one target by far and Doug Baldwin yeah they threw it to Brandon Marshall a little bit Tyler Lockett got some looks Will Disley came out of the clear blue sky to play tight end <laughs> and make a big play for them but you know like I, I none of those guys can possibly replicate what Doug Baldwin can do out of the slot particularly his rapport with Russell Wilson and uh you know I I just I even three four weeks if he's out that's that's it that's you know, that's the whole thing for them. That's their entire season. I mean, they need to win early and often to try to keep pace with the Rams and the rest of this NFC. So, to me, that's the big one. Like, you taught Olsen, obviously, huge. Delaney Walker, huge for the for Marcus Mariota. But, you know, those guys are tight ends. You can generally replace them. I think Doug Baldwin is a, a massive loss for the Seahawks.
0: Yeah, I can't disagree with you. Brandon Marshall did look all right, and Tyler Lockett's kind of your speedy guy. I've heard some weird offseason comparisons to him when Antonio Brown, uh, which I, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't see that, but <laughs> I, I think both, both Olsen and Delaney Walker, maybe even more so Olsen with Carolina's receiving core, just, I, I don't, I don't get why they didn't make an addition. Obviously they get DJ Moore, but he only played like 17 snaps in week one, which surprised me a little bit. Um, yeah, but then Devin Funches is is really their de facto target in Christian McCaffrey out of the backfield. So now Greg Olsen going down and, and, you know, potentially being out a few weeks here, that could be significant for a Carolina team that, you know, is trying to prove that they still belong. Uh, I don't know mm-hmm. that they necessarily do, but Cam Newton needs people to throw the ball to if they're going to win games.
1: For sure. I mean, and they – I guess the reason why I think of Baldwin as being more important is because the Seahawks need to win, like, next week. And Carolina has that win that they can fall back on against Dallas. So even if they lose next week, it's not – you know, mega deadly to their chances down the line. And they're in a division that has already sort of come back to them with the saints and Falcons, both losing and not looking great in week one. So, um, but yeah, no, I mean, your points well taken. I think Olson. And if, when you think of Olson and Walker, they're both kind of similar in in what they have meant to those two quarterbacks. When you think of Mariota, obviously your, your mind immediately goes into Delaney Walker. And when you go to, when you think of Cam Newton, he's his entire career, he's had Greg, Greg Olson there. So uh yeah, I, I totally get what you're saying. I think they're all three of those are just absolutely huge injuries. The two that the Falcons took on defense I think is an absolute disaster for them. Deion Jones may be the best cover corner or cover linebacker in all of football. He's out for the season. Keanu Neal has been a really physical presence for them in the back, and he being out is is a dagger to their chances. So I I think that this division has opened up a ton, um, and the Panthers have a chance to walk through that door. Even though I wasn't high on them going in, if they can if they can replace Olsen with Johnny, or with um, the rookie Ian Thomas or anyone along those lines, then you know I think that that Panthers team now is kind of in the driver's seat.
0: Yeah, I who would have thought Tampa Bay and Carolina would be atop the division at 1 and 0 and New Orleans and Atlanta <laughs> yeah. would be 0 and 1. And both both of them w- really winnable games. You you would think Tampa Bay would not have the kind of day they did with Fitzpatrick going off, but Atlanta you mentioned those two losses on the defensive side of the ball. They couldn't get things done on the offensive side of the ball against the nope. Eagles. So it's going to be tough for them to crawl out from under that that hole, especially with and- Devontae Freeman potentially, you know, questionable this week as well.
1: Exactly. I was just going to say that your boy Freeman out. Uh, hey, that's a big, big hit for their offense. Uh, Tevin Coleman, obviously pretty good, but that's, it's not easy. And if Matt Ryan plays like he did against Philly, you know, they're, they're going to be 0-2, 0-3, 0-4 because he looked awful in that game.
0: Yeah, injuries uh, injuries are tough, especially this early in the season. You hate to see, you know, big name guys go down, but uh unfortunately it does happen me. every single week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well you're at least at least your guy got back up. That that's that's the oh, key boy. in this game. Yeah, we'll see how he how he fares this week, but uh some additions as well. So uh, we had the injuries, but we also had some big additions. I wouldn't call them big, but the Patriots make a couple signings. They get Corey Coleman. Uh, so Coleman, obviously the first round pick by the Cleveland Browns, uh, ends up going to Buffalo and getting cut before the season starts. Now the Pats are willing to take a chance on him. Obviously, their receiving core is a bit depleted with Edelman being out. Obviously, he's suspended. You know, Jeremy Hill gets hurt, so that opens up a roster spot. So what do you think of the signings of Corey Coleman and then Benny Fowler also added to the roster?
1: Uh, I read somewhere that Corey Coleman was only signed because he can give the Patriots some of the bills like hand signals and stuff, and that I wouldn't put that past Belichick at That's all. Hysterical. Obviously, but <laughs> yeah, you know, like isn't that totally something it's, they yeah, would do? It's so yeah, it's just yeah, let's pay him a million dollars to get two free wins, which were already free anyway because the Bills are absolutely terrible. But yeah, no, like I, you know, I've liked Corey Coleman for a while. Um, I just think can't that, catch.
0: I, th- I liked him you too.
1: Kid catch apparently kind of a head case, obviously in Buffalo, the fact that they traded something for him and then immediately caught him on a, for a, de- a receiving core that's extremely depleted. You know, I, 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 they must not have thought anything of him at all. So, yeah, you know, like he, I, I'm higher on him than probably most, and maybe including the Patriots. But I like the uh, I like the signing anyway because if he's going to reclaim his career anyway, it would be in New England. So that one makes a little bit of sense to me.
0: Yeah, their depth chart at the receiver position is very interesting right now. So you've got Chris Hogan. He only has one catch in their first game. Philip Dorsett was kind of the surprise. Uh, he hit a, yeah, a pretty solid first game. And then Cordero Patterson who you know has really spent most of his career as a return man and now Corey Coleman and Benny Fowler are added to that receiving (laughs) core. so the Patriots never cease to amaze me obviously they've got Gronk they've got the the receiving types of running backs like James White Rex Burkhead out of the backfield but Mm. they they have no name receivers every year since they had Randy Moss and they seem to be able to just continue being productive on the offensive side of the ball
1: for sure, and uh, they face a really good test this weekend in, in Jacksonville. We'll see if those no-name receivers can get free against the likes of Jalen Ramsey and those
0: guys. Yeah, that's a tough defense. Martavis Bryant, we just talked about the Raiders. He was cut by the Raiders a couple weeks ago. He's added back. Obviously, he has a pending suspension, but uh, the Raiders willing to bring him back on, uh, and I believe he is going to be available this weekend. Is that what I read? Did I read that correct?
1: I think that's right i 'm not sure exactly how that works, but you 're right he's the league's got the suspension, I think he can challenge it kind of similar to the zeke thing, and then you know if they uphold it, then obviously he's out but that was a quick turnaround to bring him back i don 't really get that one
0: yeah uh not not that he 's a huge signing, regardless, but uh just wanted to throw the name out there and add it to the list of uh, the recent signings there'll probably be a few more here over the next few days as we look to week two. Uh, speaking of week two, we have a game on Thursday, so we wanted to preview it before we get back to you guys on Friday. Uh, the Cincinnati Bengals are going to have their first home game of the year, a little zero bias action against the evil Baltimore Ravens. So, aren't you, obviously, this is a rivalry that, uh, you know, it, it seems to go back and forth over the last decade or so. Uh, these two teams know a lot about each other A.J. Green tends to do very very well against Baltimore but Baltimore looking hella good in that first game of the season
1: yeah they did um but you know it is Buffalo and it was at home that Buffalo team is a disaster like I think you <laughs> can just throw that out the combine Allen and Peterman go combined 11 for 33 for 98 yards are you kidding me I had to double check that that's so awful and
0: yeah Peterman had a zero QBR picks, didn't he
1: gotta be i mean That's he so should get bad. a negative if it was possible <laughs> they're terrible and so you know like LaShawn mccoy seven carries 22 yards i mean look the, this is a terrible team so i don't look into that too much for the for baltimore 47 to three obviously awesome you know they did what they were supposed to do credit to them but i i don't think any higher of them than i did going into the season i i said that i thought that they were a pretty good team i think they're a legit challenger to the steelers Um, I think the Bengals are a legit challenger to the Steelers. So we'll see what happens. I mean, the Bengals also go into Indy and win by 11. So this game is a pick in Vegas. I I think that represents pretty well what it should be. I am taking your boys. I think that playing at home is going to be a huge, huge boost for them. I think their secondary can absolutely shut down John Brown and Michael Crabtree. And then their running backs don't shock me or, or amaze me. I'm not I like Alex Collins enough, but, you know, I'm, I'm not sure that he, he can do do a lot against that really, really vaunted defensive line for the Bengals. So I like Cincy. I think they're going to score enough at home to win this game.
0: Did I mention it's a night game? It is a night game. <laughs> the Bengals don't play Bengals, very well so. on night games. Um, but I got to hear what you make of Flacco. Flacco has a huge game in week one. Obviously, you mentioned the Bills are atrocious, but 25-34 for 236 and three touchdowns, essentially a perfect game for for Flacco to start the year. Um, Mm -hmm. Obviously, there were a lot of question marks as to how much – flacco deserves to be the starting quarterback of this team and into the future obviously he's got a super bowl he's he's played well at times but has been inconsistent at times in his career as well and then you've got lamar jackson and obviously rg3 uh kind of ch- uh, just chomping at the bit there do you think flacco stays the starting quarterback for this team throughout this year
1: oh man he's you know it's weird because he's like this big guy and you kind of think of him as being a steady I mean not a steady performer but being back there a lot but you know, he gets hurt every year. Like, <laughs> I, I don't expect him to play more than, you know, 12 and a half games, I guess, is where I'd set the line at for him. And Lamar Jackson actually comes in and throws four passes last week. So, you know, it's not one of those things where he's completely out of sight, out of mind. I You know, obviously, like you said, Flacco played really well. Um, you know, they blow the doors off the bills. So there isn't really any reason for him to be out there. But The fact that Jackson was throwing passes proves that they want to see what they've got a little bit in him. He got increasingly better every game of the preseason to Jackson. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see Lamar Jackson start at least two games this season. But, um, you know, that being said, I just I don't see Flacco replicating that kind of performance on the road against Cincinnati. That's going to be a wild crowd there on Thursday night. And uh, I, I expect it to be traditionally low scoring as AFC North battles often are. And, uh, I just, I think that I think the Bengals are going to win a close one.
0: Yeah. an early season battle for first place here as, uh, you know, we had that Cleveland Pittsburgh tie we talked about on Monday's show, but for, for the Bengals as a fan, I need to see that offense come out firing. And that's, that's a big question mark and a big if for the Bengals on a, a night game. But, you know, AJ Green had the big fumble here in week one and, you know, he, he, when he, whenever he carries the ball and runs after the catch, he, he holds the ball like, like it's a, a loaf of bread and it just drives me nuts. Uh, cause he always looks like he's going to fumble. And I actually mentioned that during that game, he's going to fumble after the first catch that he had. Um, uh, he had I,
1: two fumbles, didn't he?
0: he? They recovered one of them, but he had, right, right. He had the one lost fumble, yeah. And then, right. and then, I never
1: noticed that until you said it.
0: It's, it's, it, usually he just falls to the ground or he scores a touchdown or he runs out of bounds when he makes the catch. But, uh, whenever he tries to run after the catch and there's, defenders around him it's it's a scary time Uh, but but Nixon looked really really good in the first game he had a couple screen passes that he broke I mean they need to continue getting him the ball and and really making him a workhorse back you know a la Le'Veon Bell David Johnson I mean I think he really needs to get the touches to put him in that same conversation because when he has the ball he, he does a really good job of making people miss, and I think he's going to take a lot of touches away from Giovanni Bernard, who looked pretty bad in week one. So the offensive line I was impressed with, they looked a lot better, especially in pass protection in the first game. Uh, they're going to need to play well, and then that defense is going to need to turn the ball over uh, against Baltimore to win. But it, I, these AFC North rivalry games, they get me nervous, and uh, especially being a night game, we'll see if the Bengals can pull it out. I'm going to – I'm going to say they win it by a field goal. I think it'll be a close game. Wow. I think there it the, is. I think they need their offense to to, to get this done, and hopefully uh, that chubby guy Randy Bullock will be able to get a game-winning <laughs> field goal for him at the end of the game. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah. but, yeah, we'll we'll, ta- we'll talk more about the, the weekend slate of games on Friday's show, but we wanted to touch on the Thursday night game since you guys are listening to this the day before it. Uh, aren't you? we are getting pretty close to the end of the show here. What do you have for, oh, by the way, for our listeners tonight?
1: Uh, yeah, so we are winding into, well, this is obviously football season. We're closing in on, you know, playoff season for baseball. And, you know, the Cubs actually saw their lead dwindle to two game to one game as of last night against the Brewers. They pull out a, a late win tonight, or actually they were in control most of the game, but a huge play by Edison Russell late in this game wins over the Brewers so they're up now two games on Milwaukee and uh but that that battle's getting really interesting uh you know there's it's definitely worth taking a look over there and the Reds have now beaten the Dodgers six times six and oh against the Dodgers including tonight when they didn't have Joey Votto in the lineup um they've got the Dodgers number and the Dodgers quickly falling out of that playoff hunt. And it is looking like a very random playoff field in the NL, which is going to be odd and make for some really bizarre series, I think.
0: Yeah, it's coming. October is is just a few weeks away, folks. So we're going to have Mm -hmm. playoff baseball before you know it. Uh, Keeping with Anshu's theme, my, oh, by the way, tonight, looking at the NBA, there's just been a couple very small moves over the last week or so. uh, But one of them was with my Cleveland Cavaliers. Rodney Hood ends up signing a qualifying offer uh to stay with the Cavs for 3.4 million he was looking for like a 3 year 27 million dollar deal didn't quite get what he was looking for but this gives him an opportunity to prove his worth and uh get a lot of nice minutes for the Cavs and I think they could use his scoring uh with LeBron being gone uh, also Devin Booker is going to be out uh, about 6 weeks broke his hand and Lou Dang, obviously uh long time Bulls yeah long time Chicago Bull ends up signing with the Minnesota Timberwolves, so they're pretty much what a couple players away. What who, who do they need to get to get uh, this team to be exactly what the Chicago Bulls were back oh, when they, they, they had the whole team? So it's now Jimmy Butler, Derrick Rose. Is Taj Gibson yeah. still out there too? Yeah, and then oh, yeah. Lou Dang. So
1: yeah, they need Noah. They need uh, he's out there.
0: Oh, Noah could Noah could sign I'm, with them.
1: Oh, he absolutely could sign. Um, I could see. Let's see. Uh, who else do they need? They need like Kirk Heinrich. You think they could drag Kirk Heinrich out of retirement? I'm That's sure he'd doing. be willing. Oh, absolutely. I'm sure they would be willing. It's Tibbs. He's a freaking psycho. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Some random backup point guard, maybe like a Nate Robinson or something. and that would get him there.
0: Yeah. Hey, you never know. But uh, God, the Minnesota the Timber Bulls are officially getting stronger. So for Ashikana, anything for the good of the group, my friend?
1: And no, sir. Good luck to the Bengals, and uh, we'll touch catch up on uh, Friday.
0: Absolutely, for Anshikana. I'm Josh Dunn. This has been your Hump Day edition of the Leftovers. We'll see you Friday.